Hey, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Uh, this is a special Valentine's Day episode where we're going to be discussing Captain America the Winter Soldier. I know that seems a little weird, but it'll make sense later, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Hello. And we're also joined by a special guest, um, Shannon Joy. Hello and welcome. Oh my god. Hello world. <laughs> um so Shannon is kind of our resident um Stephen Bucky expert, I guess. Uh That's a good word for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't want to like make it sound too crazy, but yeah. <laughs> So we really wanted to have her on to talk about Steve and Bucky's relationship on this Valentine's Day episode, if that helps it make more sense to you, listener. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and also we're going to be talking, since this is, you know, Project Tahiti, we're going to be talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-ins and why this movie is so important to the series, especially for season one. We do discuss spoilers and the spoilers go up through the end of season five. So, oh, before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and on their website, butwhythopodcast.com. Tons of good pieces, podcasts, everything that you could ever want to find pop culture-wise, literally any, anything and everything. <laughs> uh, we're super proud to be a part of their community. Um. Shannon, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we get fully into this? Uh, sure. Just, just like how you how you became like a Stephen Bucky fan or just like a Marvel fan in general. Sure. Um, the reason why I basically became a Marvel fan was because of Sebastian Stan. <laughs> um, <laughs> really? I liked him before he was Bucky. And... I saw commercials and stuff for the first Captain America movie and saw that he was Bucky. So I wanted to watch it. And actually in one of like the worst times of my life, one of my, when it came out, one of my friends was like, do you want to go see winter soldier? And I had only seen the first Thor movie, but I was like, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) I went to go see it. And that was like pretty much my first like real legitimate Marvel movie that I saw in the theaters. And uh, it's my favorite one. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) fan for life Mm -hmm. awesome um yeah so that's that's kind of why we wanted to have you on we knew this would be like a perfect episode to have you on Mm -hmm. to talk about them um so this movie was released april 4th 2014 which is like smack dab in the middle of season one of agents of shield um at this point we've already talked about some of the ramifications but i haven't watched this movie in years like probably two years and I forgot how much shield stuff is in here um like extra information that we don't get on the show (laughs) like Mm. so I think we're gonna talk about that real quick so sorry Shannon to like we're gonna no it's okay Stephen Bucky towards the end (laughs) I like knowing this stuff because even though I have not watched the show which sorry people listening to this I really want to (laughs) I like I'm really, really bad with watching new things. I haven't watched any new things in like a year and a half. So when I actually can watch new things again, I will watch this show and I know I'm going to love it. You really are because it has all the like character types and development that I know you'll love. I I feel like you're going to really like Mac. I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Any Cap and Bucky fans, I think, will like him. 
I know I'm going to love the show, especially because you two always like literally scream about it or just <laughs> sends me like text messages with like 17 exclamation points. And I don't know what they mean, but she's really upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty uh, much the genesis of this show was like, yeah, Justin, I, I just figured out it's like, well, it's been like seven months since there's been an episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we're still like freaking out about the last one. We might as well do a show about it. Yeah, like we already talk about it all the time anyway. We may as well just make a podcast. That's what everyone does these days, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So um, I'm just going to run down a list of things in the film that are like S.H.I.E.L.D. related. And then, Jared, I think you said you wanted to go into like some comics connections of some of the main characters that we don't necessarily have in the show. Um, yeah. And then some characters that are in the show, we've already talked about like Jasper Sitwell, Nick Fury, who else? Haley Atwell's character, Peggy Carter, a couple others. I feel like I'm missing someone. So first of all, the very like opening like action sequence is like Cap and um, Black Widow going on this mission. So so Captain Rogers is like a part of Shield, which now looking back is really strange to me, especially after watching this movie again. After seeing like all the MCU movies and watching like all the seasons of Shield, like it seems really that's a really weird job for him to have, like to work as a spy. He's like the most well known person like <laughs> powered individual in the world and he's working for a spy agency that's bonkers to me but whatever wait wait i, I also agree with that because steve <laughs> is like the complete polar opposite of being like stealthy <laughs> yeah and and we'll get into also like just his like his um his views on shield in general and like why he thinks shield needs to go away and i feel like at least in terms of both the actual, like, just getting to the point they needed to get to in the story, and and yeah. and using whatever it's it's and that's really the reason why. But I feel like the, the reason why it makes some level of sense is because there's there's the espionage side of, side of Shield, but there's also just kind of like a peacekeeping force side, that's which I true. feel like that's yeah. sort of where he makes more sense. And I think the real reason why he's there, he says in in a, something that you'll get to shortly. Uh, but he he oh. says outright, I think, why he there is there uh, as a member of Shield uh, to Peggy in this movie. Yeah, yeah, well, we can talk about that now, actually. So he basically is like half the reason why I'm still here with Shield is because she founded it, right? And obviously, mm-hmm. like his connection to her means a lot. That says a lot about him as a person, also, just like his loyalties. <laughs> well, we know that it that it spun out of the Howling Commandos, of which mm-hmm. he and Bucky were a part, alongside Peggy and those other dudes. So I feel like that makes it does make sense. It's like you know, it's the only connection he has to his past anymore because yeah, Peggy's yep. you know l- losing you know her memories. She's you know having. Alzheimer's onset and uh, she's uh, also uh, almost a hundred and he's uh, you know, got no one at this point, no one from his previous life and he's not been thought out very long. (laughs) He doesn't have, he's had an Avengers movie and that's Uh it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That is really true. Plus like for shield, like what do you, what else do you do with captain fucking America? Like he's suddenly (laughs) alive. Like what, what, what do you do with that? Like he doesn't know anyone. He doesn't have any friends or have any, like they basically brought him back just so that they would, he would fight for them. So it's like, what else is he supposed to do besides try to punch people in the face? (laughs) 
Well, and it, and it feels like he's just the only, I mean, I guess him and Natasha are the active Avengers. Like the rest are all there as reserve, like when they mm-hmm. need them, like this, like the stuff that happens uh, in future movies, you know, like in the next Avengers movie or whatever, like they're all available to, to help, but the only ones that are on the official Avengers, you know, whatever, uh, I don't know, uh, HHR <laughs> lists, like, like that are actual <laughs> members of S.H.I.E.L.D. are him and Natasha. They're on Tony, they're on Tony Stark's payroll. <laughs> Well, they're on but, uh, uh, Nick Fury's payroll. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say they're the only ones that are maybe on Nick Fury's payroll. Everyone else is like a consultant. Yeah, or independent maybe? contractor. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> contractor. They don't get health insurance. That's right. Very interesting. But yeah, so and so while we're talking about this, I think too, like we see those scenes with Nick Fury and Cap's all pissed off because like he finds out that Natasha had like a different mission that he did. And he's like thinking that she like, you know, people could have been killed. And that's like his main concern is like, you know, people's lives are at risk and you're off, you know, playing with computers and getting data off this ship. And Fury's like, dude, it's called compartmentalization. Nobody spills all the secrets because nobody knows them all. And Steve doesn't like that. He's like, look, I can't, he has this very like, which is interesting because he's like still very much like the soldier. He's like, I can't lead a team if everyone has a different mission. But I feel like in the army, like that is kind of the situation too. Like, like your captain wouldn't tell everyone like every single part of the mission if it wasn't, you know, it's like need to know basis type thing. But I guess if one of your subordinates had a different mission, that's something else. But I don't know. They, there's just this conflict already. Like we can see that like he's not really down with like the shield way of things. And it reminds me of Sky in Agents of Shield, like how she's very like I don't like this. Like um, that's not how like Coulson's team operates. And it kind of like Coulson and Cap remind me of each other in their leadership styles. Like they want everyone to know everything that's going on so that they're all on the same page. And it's interesting that Coulson ends up as director of shield and cap is the one who like kind of takes it down. I don't know. Your guys thoughts. <laughs> I, I definitely think there's something to that. And I think, I don't know. It's interesting. Like you've talked about, I think before just talking about the, the way that they operated shield in general, like how people didn't know every piece of everything. People were kind of given that, that that information uh, on a need to know basis. And you also had mentioned, uh, we've mentioned a lot about sky, you know, not wanting to I think, compromise her beliefs and, and just wanting a level of transparency that shield wasn't willing to provide. And it feels yeah. like without being exactly that directly political and like, be like, we need transparency. That's pretty much what Steve's saying. And part of that might be, you know, his vocabulary and the fact that he was like a 17 year old kid who joined the army and then is now, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden, 70 years in the future yeah well and also i find it interesting because at the very end of the film natasha essentially like leaks all of shield and hydra secrets to everyone on the internet like so it's like sky kind of gets what she wants from these two out of shield which actually (laughs) sort of ties into something we've complained about a few times or at least observed in like a less than enthusiastic way i mean not like a (laughs) not like a awful complaint that we can't get over but just that they dropped that portion of her character in addition to the yeah. hacking skills are like he doesn't really talk about that anymore <laughs> like that just kind of ended after the first season but maybe yeah. because her mission was accomplished by natasha <laughs> yeah that's possible i mean we obviously that don't tie that directly in but we can our headcanon can assume that <laughs> it doesn't explain why uh, she doesn't use computers anymore but it does explain why she's less passionate about exposing their secrets 
Yes, yes. Um, so I want to talk about Jasper Sitwell and the Triskelion real quick, just because those are two things that tie directly into the show. Um, so Jasper Sitwell is on the Lemurian Star, which is the um, the cargo ship. Or car- what is it? Uh, no, that's not the right word. Uh, Helic? Whatever. It's not a helicarrier. The, um, I can't remember. The ship that, that planes can land on in the ocean. Um, Aircraft carrier? Yes, that. Thank you. (laughs) Aircraft carrier. So it's the aircraft carrier that was attacked by pirates that we find out Fury is actually the one who had the pirates attack or something like that. So he could use it as an excuse to get information off that ship because he had suspicions. But if you'll remember in, I forget what episode it is, but it's the episode where like Victoria Hand, Garrett, Triplet, and Coulson all meet on like an aircraft carrier somewhere in the ocean because they're planning on going after the clairvoyant and Jasper Sitwell's like, well, I'm being called away somewhere else. And so I feel like this timeline kind of lines up. So this is like, because after this, Sitwell is off doing other things like with, you know, politicians and then he gets, you know, thrown off a building and everything else that happens to him in the movie. So this is where he gets called away to (laughs) while everyone else is hunting the clairvoyant. And then also really quickly, I believe, Jared, we discovered that the Triskelion was mentioned first in the show because this they mentioned it before the movie came out, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I believe that what that was something we figured out because it didn't appear in the Avengers film. And it's something that was originally from the Ultimates, a different version of the Avengers that they had in a separate universe. It's where Miles Morales comes from and where we get uh, Nick Fury, who looks just like Samuel L. Jackson. That also predated the films where he was cast <laughs> as Samuel Jackson. Or with Samuel Jackson. And uh, wait, what? Yeah, I believe we did establish that it was first appeared in the MCU on that episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it wasn't it like pretty close with like the well, comics? It, that it were was, running but at the it wasn't. Uh, like, it was like- them being introduced, I think, into the mainstream Marvel Universe because it had already been introduced in the comics years before in the Ultimate Universe, gotcha. like, I, like I just mentioned. But there were other things that like predated yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Marvel Universe by just a little bit, like, yeah. which is also kind of cool. Like it. Yeah, that is cool. I like it. Anyway, so just to bring those two things up, because those are two big things that we kind of don't ever see again in the show. Like we after season one, the show's timeline deviates pretty far away from the events of the MCU, it seems like. So this movie is like it. <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk about was um, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s oversight committee is the world security council which i mean we talk about this on the show a lot about like how nick fury seems to have like kind of free reign like colson's team is essentially not accountable to anyone either in season one and so alexander pierce is like a part of this world security council and i don't know do you have any other information about this like in the comics or is this just an mcu thing maybe something they've mentioned in the comics like i i know i've I, i know i've said before that it is not consistent. Uh, Shield has been a U.S. organization and a U.N. Yeah. organization, and all this stuff. Like in the past, it's kind of whatever it needs to be. And it looks like I'm doing a quick search on it, and it looks like it has it has been established in the Marvel universe, but not until June of 2016. So yeah, so significantly oh. after so this. even after this so, came out. 
uh, yeah, they finally gave it gave some name to it. I feel like in this, it's just meant to be the UN Security Council without calling it that. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I assumed as well. Um, and is Alexander Pierce is he like Secretary of what is he like? What is he Secretary of? I am dumb and I didn't look that up. I have all this information on his comic version of him right here. I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, dang. I know. Sorry. I'm like asking you all these questions. I should have put them in the notes before. So he is. It just says he's the form uh, like uh, on this <laughs> unofficial, mar- but well-researched Marvel uh, cinematic wiki. Uh, it just says he was uh, asked by Nick Fury to join the World Security Council. And it doesn't say, yeah, anything about anything other than like. Yeah, other information about him, like mentioning this movie, but <laughs> well, it's interesting because he seems to be like the the he is the head of Hydra. Then it seems like he's the top Hydra agent within the the organization, and he's pretty much the one calling the shots. Like he's the one who had the relationship with uh, the Winter Soldier oh, to man, like, that do scene all this dirty work when he does the brainwashing. Um, <sighs> I know. That's so bad. So I want to talk about Project Insight super quick. And in the scene where Cap and Fury are talking about it, Cap is immediately like disapproving of this. He's like, you know, um, we did a lot of like questionable things in the war because we wanted people to be free. Um, This is not freedom. And Fury's response is shield accepts the world as it is, not as we want it to be. But but also what Cap's objection is, isn't judging people harshly. It's the Department of Future Crime. It's Minority Report. He's like, uh, we have to wait until people actually do things before it matters, before you take them out. Like just being a a potential threat isn't enough reason to take everybody out. Which is completely reasonable. So that's why like Fury's response is a little weird to me because it's like, okay, that's not even the world that is. That's the world that could be <laughs> like well, and it, it makes it, it it's weird because it's literally what the bad guy's plan is yeah like, 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 like it's just using this thing <laughs> well yeah because arnim zola is the one who developed the algorithm to like make this project a thing because what what did i hear i wrote down what he said so hydra's whole thing is humanity cannot be trusted with its own freedom humanity but but they learned through war and all this that humanity needed to surrender its freedom mm-hmm. willingly so that's like they created chaos and terrorism and all this stuff so that like the people would be willing to have project insight as a reality it like implies that everything that's gone wrong in the mcu is an inside job like like everything that's ever like that's bad that's happened yeah has been explained away by being caused by them Mm -hmm. which i don't know it's interesting it's definitely messed up (laughs) but because uh, you at least uh, heavily involved with the U.S. government, if not a U.S. government organization, has been like like have just it's worse than any of the really bad stuff we've done in real life, which is awful stuff. So it's pretty horrific. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Shannon, you had a note here. Yeah, because that doesn't make yeah. any sense to me when I every time I watch the movie, which is a lot. Like when I get to that part, and Cap is like, <laughs> "Don't hold your breath," and he walks away. I'm always like, "Why did Nick ever think that Steve would be okay with that?" Like, he would never be okay with something like that. Like, what made him think that showing him that would suddenly make him completely change his mind? 
So the only thing I could I can try to think about is like, was he trying to show it to him as a way to be like, you know, try to give him like a weird hint of something is wrong with S.H.I.E.L.D. without obviously saying it because he had to be careful about that. Because otherwise, I'm just like, is Fury a moron? But given how quickly Fury made his plan to take these people down, like, I think you you have to be right. Like that that doesn't just seem like headcanon. Like that seems to be like the only logical explanation. Yeah, it's. It's the only explanation I've ever been able to come up with was thinking about it. It's one of my favorite things when I watch this movie is to figure out what is actually going on before the big reveal happens because it's all not what we think it is. Yeah, that's a, I that's a really good point actually because obviously like since Fury hired the pirates, he knew something was going mm-hmm. on and like he he felt that Cap was probably the only person in the organization that he could trust. Like he ends up at his house like right before he dies, quote. And Maybe this was him just making sure that he knew about the project and like the specifics of it so he could stop it if it came to that. And knowing how manipulative Nick is all the time in these movies and in the show, like Uh did he say this in the way he did present it in the way he did to galvanize Steve to make him that much quicker and ready to turn on S.H.I.E.L.D. and on the U.S. government because he knows they're in the wrong? Like, Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. So one other thing I wrote down here, which is like a sticking point for me on the on the show, <laughs> is I, I truly appreciate why it. does Marvel want to promote not wearing helmets when you're riding motorcycles? I mean, I understand that Cap is like pretty much invincible. Like, I mean, he has how many times was he, was he shot and then almost drowned in this film and he's fine? Like four four times. <laughs> But yeah, but come on, man, wear a freaking helmet. Also, yeah, like he has stitches on his face and junk, but there's no scars later. <laughs> like that guy's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, so freaking wear a helmet. Like Agent May and Captain America need to wear helmets when they're riding motorcycles, doing these crazy things. <sighs> Just upsets no, me. I completely, I, I completely agree. <laughs> We've had agree. Uh, Shannon. We had. A probably 12 agree. minute segment on motorcycle helmet safety uh, in an episode uh, that we recorded. I'm not sure if it's one we've released yet. But... No, it's the it's the one that's coming out this week. Okay. So, so... It'll come, it'll, it'll, no, so it will have come out right before this episode drops. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ex- extra motorcycle safety. I'm all for that rant because um, I live in Wisconsin and Harley yeah. is here. So there's tons of motorcyclists. Like every year around like the first week of August, we have Harley Fest, like a year, the next anniversary. And motorcyclists just like take over the whole city. And there isn't a law here about wearing oh, a helmet. And so every time I see one on a highway, I'm like, wear a helmet. Like they try to say it's because if they wear a helmet, they won't be able to see as well. And I'm like, but will you be alive? <laughs> Like, I think you might be alive. You can figure that out later after you're not dead. But that that always bothers me. My my aunt like had us motorcycles since growing up and she always had us wear everything. So when I watch this movie, I'm like, Cap, like, I know you're Cap, but can you just wear a helmet? Also, come on. What kind of example are you setting for these children watching this film <laughs> who are going to grow up and ride motorcycles? It's true. I mean, <laughs> it's... <a> helmet. <laughs> Like literally Marvel got rid of the human torch when they made the Fantastic Four cartoon because they they were afraid a kid would set themselves on fire. Yeah. Like, like 
Come on, How do man. we go from that, which is overkill? <laughs> like, yeah, I think that is overkill. Like, we can't assume the worst. Like, yeah. that's like you don't let kids watch anything ever because you're afraid they're going to do something. <laughs> but, 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 like, that is so much. It's so much more imitatable to just ride their regular bike without a helmet, which also isn't mm-hmm. cool. Like, it's like, no, it's not a great thing. And like, yeah, I get why he took his helmet off in the fight because we want to see. Uh, you know uh, Chris's beautiful face and they, they have to be expressive and stuff <laughs> yes. the same reason why Iron Man isn't just always in his helmet walking around he either takes the helmet off or they do the weird you know inside the, the suit view like either way they want to show the actor's faces I understand that but it's not like he was doing a lot of acting or emoting while he's driving away on the motorcycle <laughs> like yeah and he's got a good head of hair but it's not like it's like blowing the wind or anything it's not like long <laughs> He can brood with his leather jacket with a helmet on his face. I'm sorry. He just can. I mean, there's like half face helmets that you could put on that don't even have like the bottom. You could still see their face. It's, you know, you could, there's many ways to get around it. If he was wearing, if he wore a helmet, wouldn't we only see his eyes? Because that would be kind of a cool shot. Yeah. They could be artistic about this. Like there's many ways. (laughs) They should bring us on as consultants to figure out how to film major <laughs> actors with helmets on when they're riding motorcycles during action scenes because how to keep Chris <laughs> Evans looking good and also yes. alive Chris Evans motorcycle safety crew that's that's yep. our new job <laughs> yeah. um okay so the I okay first of all I forgot how awesome all of the fight choreography in this movie is like the elevator fight scene is like epic like everyone knows about it but all the fight scenes with him and Bucky like before he knows it's Bucky like the knife work oh my god I was like this yeah. is so good i like yeah i was just the fact that he like that, like sebastian like takes out the knife and like drops it as oh. he's fighting every time i see that i'm just like how and it's actually him who oh, did really? it so i'm like how did you how many times did you that's practice? so cool that's even yeah. more cool There's that some... it's actually him um but there is one part yeah. in the elevator scene at the very end where um i forget the agent's name um but he has crossbones is that his comic he, name uh, that, that's, that's who what he becomes in um the next one in Ultron in, in well, it, the inciting Civil incident War, right? for in, in Civil War for a spoiler for Civil War, which it's a giant spoiler. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, he is the guy who in Civil War is kind of part of the inciting incident where um, Wanda blows up the hospital. He's oh, he's the guy who's right. fighting Cap and his face is all scarred because of the, yeah, the yeah, events yeah. of this movie. Uh, and oh my god, I'm he'll be the he'll be the only one I'm going to go do now. I'll wait for the till we're done with the recap to do the rest of them. But his comic character is so much worse. Like he's not he's not a good guy in this. He betrays Shield. He's a member of Strike in this, the Strike Force, yeah. the, the, which with an unnecessary ac- acronym. Yeah. In, in the comics, is just the British version of Shield, mm-hmm. but in this is whatever. I don't know. A Shield task the strike force. force. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, sorry. Like, oh my god, strike. a strike force with the acronym Strike. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet the S stands for Strike. Uh, but uh, no, um, <laughs> he was a ga- like gangbanger guy who ended up being recruited by the Red Skull, and he was basically the Red Skull's right hand man. So he's the Red Skull and Crossbones, mm. and that was you know uh... that was his shtick, but. He had a very personal connection to Cap. Anyone who is a comic reader in our audience who might be familiar with the current Domino series and the upcoming Domino miniseries, I think it's called Hot Shots maybe, where it's uh, basically her expanding the girl group she has in the comics. Uh, one of these one of these members in the upcoming miniseries and the previous series is a character named Diamondback 
who was a member of the Serpent Society, which are a group of snake-themed villains Mm -hmm. who are uh, like a long-running Captain America foes. They're one of his, like the biggest part of his rogues galleries because he has like like not a huge he's not he's not batman or spider-man he doesn't have a, a huge list of memorable villains and they provide like 20 of them there's so many of members of this group <laughs> but she was a former member of uh this snake themed terrorist for hire thief supervillain like generic bad guys and comic books group and she fell in love with cap and cap fell in love with her and she reformed to be with him and uh, as this story is unfolding, we find out that she has this like long sordid history with uh, with uh, Crossbones. I believe her brother is the villain Cutthroat, who is friends with Crossbones. And Crossbones raped her when they were teenagers. Why? <gasps> I'm so glad that's not part of the, the comic book universe and that they removed it because it's unnecessary and we don't need any more of that oh. uh, ever in our comic books. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm done with them. <laughs> I'm done with, yep. done with the cliche, uh, you know, murder and uh torture and trauma especially to women and uh yeah it's just non-stop in comics but i felt compelled to mention that with brock rumlow aka crossbones who's just a completely different character which a lot of times that annoys me this time not so much i'm okay with not including that version of him in anything ever again he doesn't need to be adapted they could just kill him and i'd be happy I really yep. hated Rumlo in this movie just based <laughs> off of the movie. So all of that would have made it like impossible <laughs> to even watch him. Yeah. He, he first appeared in Captain America uh, 359, all in silhouette and shadows as an ominous figure uh, in October of 1989. And then in the same month, because uh, at the time they were doing bi-monthly uh, releases in a lot of the summer, summer months and October comics came out. Uh, at the end of at the end of summer, comics of list the a comics cover date is three months ahead of when it actually was released. It's when they're supposed to be taken off of newsstands. They still have it like that, even though most people buy them digitally now for no reason. Uh, but <laughs> uh, so, but they were doing them bi monthly in the summers in '89 when I was a kid and first started reading comics. And uh, in the second issue, he actually appears, and then two issues after that in uh, their, their November cover uh, release. Of 1989 in Captain America 362, he is named as Crossbones, and he is created by Mark Grunewald, who is the most prolific Captain America creator of all time. He wrote and edited Captain America combined, like he either wrote and or edited it for over a hundred issues. Wow. He, uh, oh, wow. he kind of uh, curated Cap's evolution, and he was the version of cap that I grew up with and like who he introduced Arnie Roth, who's sort of like the movie version of Buck Bucky, who is his childhood best friend who cap stood up for and who stood up for cap. But he's all, and he was also a victim of uh, violence because he was gay. And uh, Steve always, even when he didn't understand it as a kid in the forties was always accepting and loved him as a friend. And it was uh, something that spoke to me as a kid, as a kid. And like, I always loved those. And that wasn't one he wrote. I think those were characters he edited, but just the his era of Captain America kind of is the guy. He made him from a guy who killed people in war to a guy who's like Superman, Batman style, like no no killing. Life is the most precious thing, and uh, and I guess like Crossbones in the comics is kind of like the opposite of Steve. And I guess in this they sort of do a shorthand version of that. They don't really explore it a lot, but you get the vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, yeah, because he's willing to do all this awful shit, like execute people un you know, unlawfully in public and whatnot, <laughs> like, like yeah. and frame yeah. people like. He's, he's a scumbag and clearly a scumbag because he continues to work for bad people later on, even after Hydra's yeah. gone. But yeah, I don't know. He's a gross character in the comics. 
and they did i'm glad that they toned it down a bit he yeah he's one Same. that i feel like they one of my f- things i really enjoy about this movie is that how they slowly kind of tell you just how evil these people are and he was one that i think when it, in the beginning you see him going on like the first mission with cap and you think he's fine and then as the movie goes along you see him and like when you see him in like the bank with uh bucky when they have him like being tortured is when i was like this dude is seriously like in it hardcore like that's crazy to then think about the scenes he has with cap in the beginning of the movie well it's just crazy that all these hydra agents were so easily melded into shield and i mean we talk a lot about ward on this show but i mean he's grouped right in there with with the that type of hydra agent you know they were all infiltrating shield for mm. in multiple levels and it's it's gross mm. it's super gross to think that like he was like i mean he was probably like super close friends with like well i don't know how close cap was with with many people it's like his celebrity probably set him apart a little bit but like you have relationship with these people that you work with all the time and then suddenly you find out they're hydra and it's like cap died to like yeah. destroy Hydra and was brought but, back. But, like the sick part of me is always like every time that Romlo was going on a mission with Cap, was he just thinking like, I know where your best friend is <laughs> and you don't even know that he's alive. Like oh, he, no. he goes he goes and meets like and watches him be tortured and then goes on missions with Cap. It must be like the it must be like the most amazing thing that. for him to be like, you think you're so good, everybody loves you, but I know this thing about you that will like ruin you he he's evil enough to think like that and it is it's just so gross to think like like just on the surface if they were just a faceless evil organization doing the things they're doing it'd be awful but for for steve like you think about on his personal timeline how close this all is to him being frozen like he watched his friends Mm -hmm. and and uh you know fellow soldiers die fighting the not just fascists not just bad guys but specifically these fascist bad guys and now they've taken over you know this thing that's that came from those same people who he fought beside yeah it's it's like such a horrible corruption of like everything that he holds dear it's really sad actually to think about it is really sad like this movie i don't know part of me is always like i don't know why i watch it so much because it's really sad but it's just such a well done movie that i just keep watching yeah i'm really glad you mentioned that stuff about rumlo just now shannon because i feel like that that does actually kind of it it makes him less of like cardboard cutout like snidely whiplash mustache twirling like just idea Mm -hmm. of a villain like he's evil because he did these awful awful evil stuff which is evil but it's also like it's not just exploitive and 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 gross but like it's also the stuff from the comics but like it's unnecessary and just like lazy it's lazy writing like 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 the way they're showing how he's the opposite of cap is what you just described like how he's able to betray people and and keep these secrets and compartmentalize in this way whereas like steve can't can't do any of that yeah. stuff like he he wears a mask shaped helmet but he doesn't even have a secret identity you know it's like no like this guy is a part of a spy no. organization and is secretly a bad guy and like, yeah. oh, like i don't know it's it's, yep. it's and nobody knows he's like right there all the time and nobody knows that's, until cap outs him that's an interesting basically. parallel yeah it really is yeah i think okay so there's other, one other thing that kind of broke my heart was when him and Natasha are on the the base where he trained 
where there there's that shield bunker and he's like yeah this is probably where shield started it's like the shield started at the base that he trained at in the army and there is a hydra computer i don't even know like ai system in this base that has been running for how many years yeah, with computers from like the 60s and 70s <laughs> Yeah, and it's the scientist that they like spared his life and then recruited him. Oh, now I remember what Project Paperclip yeah, was. I was going to I remember what it was as well. I was going to yeah. say that, that that transitions directly, you know. Yeah, like so I wrote down in the notes like I wrote down Project Paperclip but then I forgot what it was. But Project Paperclip was basically they recruited um former like Nazi and Hydra scientists to like help, you know, do whatever. Well, and, and Operation Paperclip was real. Yeah. Like yeah. like that's uh it, Yeah, that, that's absolutely. One, I, I just that's one of the things that's worth mentioning i think like yeah but yeah it was uh after after you know losing the war it's where we got a lot of the people and everybody mm -hmm. knows this like that they a lot of them ended up working for nasa eventually but yeah. this was this was the military uh, operation that basically paved the way for any scientists that were willing to renounce nazism we were like oh we want these guys on our side like they made all sorts mm -hmm. of crazy breakthroughs mm -hmm. which i mean mm -hmm. in a lot of ways that does make more sense than just having a brilliant mind be wasted in jail like because they could use their you know intelligence to help people but you'd also hope that they were i don't know after being nazis that they would be monitored more closely than <laughs> in this case and i would like to think that in real life yeah. they were since we haven't had I mean, it's not to say we haven't had a Nazi uh, take over the United States, uh, but not completely. <laughs> I feel like it's the guy we got Bannon. He's not in there anymore. At least. He doesn't have he doesn't have no, the president's ear anymore. Now he's causing Nazism in Spain. Oh God! Somebody had to, right? I mean, that's just, that's what's yeah. what I think is that's probably that's actually his thought process. It's like, yeah, oh, well, he's God. the least with. In like this fictional version, like Zola didn't like that room didn't get created until the seventies. <laughs> I'm pretty sure is when he says he was gonna die. Yeah. So that was like thirty years or so of time, and 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 most people would just think that if you're in an organization for that long and part of it and doing what it wants you to do, that you're not that you're not a, a Nazi like sympathizer or whatever yeah. anymore. No, and you well, and, and they'd know. think that <laughs> I, I think they thought too rightfully that like they defeated hydra so it's gone they didn't know that it had gone underground you know in, in the way that it had but these people had kept their loyalties and uh no it's very interesting and that sort of ties in that's another shield connection because but uh they reference him being imprisoned in an episode of uh agent carter because mm -hmm. when johan fenhoff is arrested he's he's in the same uh prison cell i believe so that's how they ended up joining together Actually, one thing about Romlo that I forgot to mention that makes me laugh is the lines he says to Sam at the end of the movie when they're fighting. And Sam is like, shut the hell up. <laughs> I know. It's, it's like the most like villainy things you could. They must have had so much fun writing that part because he's like, he's like, Hydra is pain. Are you ready to take on yours? And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's like Hydra groupie. Shut up. Calm down. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. No, that was a good scene. <laughs> But that also – so the elevator fight scene that started this whole conversation um, when he's like, you know, Cap, this isn't personal. And then Cap knocks him out and he's like, yeah, it feels personal. Mm -hmm. There's an episode in S.H.I.E.L.D. that calls back to that scene and it's actually the episode title is Nothing Personal. And it and Ward is using it uh, towards Sky and then Mike – 
uh, Peterson kind mm-hmm. of throws it back in his face, which is like beautiful. But it's same thing here. It's like nothing personal. It's like, yeah, it feels personal because like I went into ice fighting all you people and now here you are again. And like shield started at the, you know, the place that I trained at. There's a sh- there's a hydra base there. Like everything about this is personal for him. Uh, yep and especially when you're stuck in an elevator and there's like 12 people all trying to kill you all at once (laughs) or at least knock you out that's pretty freaking personal and then you have to jump out of a window to get away from this government organization that's trying to arrest you i know that the single shot hallway scenes and all the netflix shows are like impressive but even though it's a bunch of different shots or a bunch of different angles and everything that elevator fight scene is like one of the best like closed space fight sequences Mm -hmm. i think i've ever seen so good Agreed. It's so good. They don't even get it's that really second magnet handcuff on him. <laughs> I know. Nope. And like the the best part of it, that whole scene is amazing, but especially like I love when they show Steve or Cap like being smart without having it to be something about like what they put in his body that made him special. So like during that scene, you see Steve like just noticing things about them, which is yeah. why he understands that something is going on. And of course the like my favorite line out of any Marvel movie is like, "Does it, before we get started, does anybody want to get out?" <laughs> it's, it's just so perfect, and then it just all goes crazy. And you know what? That line from any other hero in the MCU would be so arrogant and just like roll your eyes. Yeah. But like coming from him, it's like no, he he has every right to say this because we've seen his fighting yeah. style and we know. And he's literally <laughs> asking, "Does anyone want to get out before yeah. I punch your face in?" Yeah, like. If you don't really want to be a part of this, like you don't have to be like, it's totally him just mm-hmm. being like genuinely like giving you the option to walk away if you if you want to. Well, if it was like if it was like mm-hmm. Vin Diesel in a Fast and Furious movie, he would be he, he would be taunting them or arrogant. But with yeah. Cap, it's like a legitimate concern. It's like hey, if anyone wants to renounce the bad guy, <laughs> I don't want to hurt anybody yeah. who's, who's not a bad guy. Like, can you- <laughs> Can you imagine Tony Stark saying that? Oh, like, yeah. I would want to beat him to death <laughs> if he said something like that because he would just be being Tony, like super cocky and arrogant, and you'd be waiting for somebody to like hit him over the head and show that he was wrong. Yeah. But with Cap, it's like earnest. Yeah, I feel like Tony couldn't order something like at a restaurant without sounding like kind of superior and sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there's two things. I want to mention. Uh, so one is Black Widow used that shield face swap tech that we're going to see coming up. Um, Agent 33 is going to use on Agent May um, in sometime during season two. But right? That's the same tech? Is it? Because what happens to Agent 33 ends up being permanent somehow. I don't know. We'll discuss that. Then, I, I, I think it's I think it's related <laughs> to it, though. I'm, 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 like, I'm not sure. We'll have to... We will we will get back to that as we see more uh, yep. of Agent Thirty Three, which we will uh, soon in the next several episodes. We will. Um, the last thing I want to mention before we just we move on to all the the main characters that relate back to the comics is at the very end of the film, Nick Fury changes into Jared's favorite outfit that looks like Samuel L. Jackson is actually on set as Nick Fury. Well, and he even said that he, he said when somebody mentions his outfit in the two part finale, the first season of shield, he says, I look like I'm supposed to live under a bridge <laughs> or, or I should be under a bridge. Uh, he calls out that he's just wearing a hat and like a jacket. and stuff. Like, he's not even wearing a hat. He's wearing a hoodie. Well, 
want to like he had under the hoodie, but it's like a like a really, oh, okay. but it's not his. It's not the regular Samuel Jackson King Gold hat. It's a. It's like a <laughs> no, he's he's walking around with like a hoodie and sunglasses on. But the sunglasses are great because like they, you know, they don't cover up his scars at all. Like they just they just kind of cover up nope. his, his milky eye. But uh, <laughs> no good. So. Uh, the first character I'll talk about, we, we won't talk about Nick or um, Maria Hill because we've covered them in depth. Or, but uh, the first character I will cover is Captain America, who is, uh, as everyone knows, Steve Rogers, created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And uh, it is dated in March of 1941. And it actually, uh, Captain America Comics number one, but it actually came out in December of 1940. It was actually written and drawn and at the printer's long before the United States entered World War II. That's so weird. Hey, man, hmm. they were- That weirds me out every time but I both, hear that. Both like, of their parents, both Joe's and uh, Jack's, were immigrants from Europe, and they were Jewish. Yeah. Like, they were, like, th- this is something that affected them really heavily. And so much so that Jack ended up signing, like, as soon as we were fighting, he ended up signing up and killing Nazis. <laughs> and that's uh, the real-life creator of Captain America, uh, so- Love, love I always love that guy. He's a uh, he, he grew up mm. where Steve and Bucky grew up in Brooklyn, and he's an awesome, awesome dude. Which brings me to the next character, which is the Winter Soldier or Bucky, uh, James Buchanan Barnes, uh, who was created also by Jack and Joe, and also appeared in Captain America Comics number one in, on the cover date of March 1941, and uh, appeared as the Winter Soldier for the first time in Captain America Volume Five number one in. It was the cover date listed of January 2005, which means it was the end of the year in 2004. And uh, the name Winter Soldier is kind of cool. It works because winter is like part of the, the culture and identity of Russia. And he was brainwashed by Russians and used as a Russian spy. Mm-hmm. But also the term literally is for lost veterans who don't know what to do when they come back from the U.S. Uh, from war to the U.S. It was coined by several people, one of oh, whom is uh, oh, uh, is connected to uh, and credited to John Kerry in a speech he made when he first came back from uh, Vietnam. But So it's kind of cool. Like it works wow. on multiple levels. Um, and, you know, the Bucky character is really similar in the comics uh, as he is in the films. Uh, it's kind of crazy how quickly that story was adapted <laughs> when you think about like a lot of stuff. You know, they covered the resurrection of of uh, Bucky in you know this movie, and uh, the actual story wasn't created until the end of two thousand four. <laughs> and you know, they had the Avengers formed just before this, and that happened in nineteen sixty three. You know, so it's like it, it, yeah. it, they they sped that one up because they saw that it's a good story and they had something there. And that, that one's just interesting. Like there are characters in comics, they say you, you can never bring back from the dead. And for a long time, Bucky was on that list. But I do think it's interesting that he's been, you know, accepted as heavily as he has given, but like when I first started reading comics, that was something that was an old cliche. Everybody comes back from the dead except for Uncle Ben and Bucky. And <laughs> I think that part of why it is okay is it never really happened in the comics. I know I've mentioned, I believe once before on the show that in the original comics, Cap and Bucky didn't get frozen or die or anything. They just kept working and fighting. Uh, you know, after they beat the Nazis, they started fighting communists in the fifties and all this. And eventually uh, Joe and, and uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby came back to Captain America in the seventies. And when they did, uh, he'd been brought back in the sixties in uh, in Avengers comic books and had his own run in another comic book uh, and eventually got a, got a new Captain America title again. 
And they ended up making it to where he had been frozen and Bucky had apparently died and all this stuff because they didn't want to be associated with the, the, the nature of the anti-communist kind of stuff. It was so hateful and so stupid. And they ended up kind of retconning, uh, using retroactive continuity and saying, oh, well, turns out Bucky died and Cap was frozen. And those guys were imposters in the 50s. They weren't our real guys. Those guys are good still. Oh, they wow. died because that stuff was bad. Oh, wait. Uh, but it's. This is me plugging the But Why Though episode about why Captain America matters because they went into a lot of that stuff and I had never heard any of that before and it was really interesting to hear about how this all really came about. Very good recommendation. No, um, nice. it's, it is really interesting <laughs> and uh, the comic uh, writer who – he doesn't really work at Marvel or DC anymore but he had a kind of short run on Batman for a little while right around 2000 and then uh, – kind of broke out in comics with his Captain America run, Ed Brubaker, and who's now does more uh, creator-owned stuff like where they were just not really traditional superhero runs. They were very interesting and really well done. You know, he brought Bucky back uh, in a really interesting way and everyone accepts it. And I think, yeah, it's, it's very much this story of him being not actually dead and recovered by uh, you know, Cold War era Russian scientists and used as a spy and connected to uh, Black Widow's history, actually, because because she is a Russian spy mm-hmm. in the comics, and so so they're pretty heavily tied together. Which will bring me to the next character I'll talk about, who is very different from her version in the com in the comics. Uh, Natalia Romanova, who uh, is her name in the uh, in the comics, her real name, although she goes by Natasha as uh, her alias, Natasha Romanoff. And uh, this is Black Widow, who I think it says she was born in like eighty four or eighty five or something in. In Winter Soldier, yeah. Where, as in the comics, she was a little girl during World War II. And uh, there's an old issue of Uncanny X-Men, I can't remember what it was, but that I read uh, when it came out. It was drawn by Jim Lee, who's one of the guys who's like the head of DC now and is a huge prolific comic creator. But it was uh, Captain America, Wolverine, and Black Widow team up for the first – team up again for the first time was on the cover. And it's <laughs> them teaming up in the modern day and then the story of Wolverine as a World War II soldier uh, on a mission to protect this little girl with uh, with Captain America. So, uh, yeah, so she's – God, at this point, I think she's like had several clone bodies. She died recently. Like, like, but that's why – there's all sorts <laughs> of reasons why she's not – you know, over a hundred years old, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I'm really glad they changed still that. Young. Like I, I would have been okay with making it somewhat similar and, but I, I, I don't know. I'm all right with it. I kind of, the, the biggest change I would do to the movie version is just, if I could uh, alter the course of time would be to not have Emily Blunt unable to, to play her in Iron Man 2. <laughs> she was cast, oh, but she had a, right. uh, con- yeah, oh, she really? had a conflicting contract and she couldn't, she ended up not being able to do it. We almost had Emily oh. Blunt as Black Widow. Man. And Scarlett Johansson would have been free to play all the Asian actors. <laughs> and, tra- and trans men. And trans men. Yeah. Anybody. Anything that she is not. All the, all the stuff she's born to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, Sorry, I had to. Oh, no. No, that was. <laughs> I had to. It's a, it's a rule. We had that to do that. That was necessary. And per- perfectly. Uh, yeah. More of more of an understandable. <laughs> So she started off uh, as a villain for Iron Man and Hawkeye. She was created by Stan Lee, Don Rico, and Don Heck. And she first appeared in Tales of Suspense, mm. number 52, 
uh, cover date of April 1964. And yeah, died in Secret Empire number seven <laughs> in September 2017. Now she's back. Uh, don't worry about it. Is, <laughs> is Mar- what Marvel will like us to think. It never happened. I, I don't know anything about comics, but I know about that one just because of how much people don't yeah, like no, it. Yeah, no, it gets a bad rap for yeah. a reason. No. There's good. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Wilson is super different. Uh, Sam Wilson is the Falcon and Cap's best friend uh, in the modern day and uh, other than Bucky, like his longest, uh, you know, closest friend. And I'll tell you about the difference in a second. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. Oh, news. No. He's created by Stanley and Gene Colan, and it was altered significantly to an offensive degree later on. But originally... In Captain America number 117 in September of 1969, he appears as, Cap- or as Captain America's new friend, the Falcon. He comes in to help save him from the Red Skull. There's all this stuff going on. He's a social worker. He doesn't have any powers. He can't fly yet. He just wears a green jumpsuit and runs around and kicks people's butts and swings on a rope and whatnot. He eventually is given the wings by Black Panther, the flying wings, which would have been kind of would have been cool to happen mm. in the movie too to have them be Wakandan tech they could still I guess reveal yeah. that there was something purchased mm-hmm. by, you know the US government by a Wakandan scientist or something but uh or sure yeah. when she was like 11 uh but which would be kind of rad yeah. <laughs> but uh the really gross stuff which I may have mentioned on the podcast I can't remember but uh the the gross thing is they eventually changed his origin to where it turns out that Sam Wilson uh, a, a social worker was a result of the cosmic cube. The Red Skull used the cosmic cube to turn someone into the perfect sidekick for Captain America so that then he could use him as a Trojan horse and have him turn against Steve and betray him. Yeah. But no. it worked too well and made him too good. <laughs> so he wouldn't, so. he would not betray Steve. And it, it was worked too well. It had changed who he was as a person and made him a good person. And so he, he punched Red Skull in the face and like, this is who I am now. The bad yeah. part, like that makes it just so, I mean, that, that wrinkle is unnecessary and not good that he wasn't a good person before or whatnot. Not only was he not a good person, not only was he not a uh, social worker who helped the people in his community, but he was Sam quote snap end quote wilson and he was a pimp it's racist it's hateful it's stupid i don't know why they did it i wish they'd 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 retcon that at some point in the comics they didn't they went with the ultimate universe origin where he was an air force pilot i'm a billion times cooler with that <laughs> like i liked the social worker aspect but only if it's without yeah. the really really offensive crazy stupid stuff so uh Jesus Christ. Yeah, comic books. They're not great now. They were really problematic then. (laughs) They were not good. Before I get to uh, the two villains I'll talk about other than Crossbones, which I'd already mentioned, worth mentioning is Agent 13 or Sharon Carter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sharon is kind of the love of Cap's life in the comics. You know, uh, she is she's Peggy's niece, I think, although that doesn't really make a lot mm-hmm. of sense with the way the story goes now, considering she was a World War Two vet. Just go with it. Like the age difference between <laughs> the age difference go. between uh, Peggy and her sister had to be huge uh, <laughs> for Sharon to, to not be very old now. Um well, and also, okay, so one quick, like, continuity thing. I remember very specifically that Peggy had a brother that died in the war, correct? Like, from the, sh- from the show, right. the Agent Carter show. 
and she there were no other siblings so <laughs> like I mean, it kind of makes sense that if she does have a much younger sister or brother i guess in this in this case cuz her na- her last name is Carter we just never knew about them <laughs> because it was like so much so so long after i don't know <laughs> i was thinking about that when i wrote her in there <laughs> cuz i knew you have i know you have a problem with the timeline <laughs> well, it's just it's one of those things where like they need to have we, we've talked about it before like the old school comic nick fury you know was like immortal and, because he took a version of the super soldier serum that only ma- gave you longevity didn't make you super strong or anything and it ended up I, I, I've, Shannon, I've told this on the on the podcast and to Jess before, but it had an, a proximity effect. All of the other Howling Commandos ended up being able to be essentially immortal and wouldn't age and would be very long lived because they hung out with him so much. He he received a, an annual injection <laughs> of this of the Infinity Formula, and somehow just hanging out with him so much it rubbed off on you. That was the idea that someone that someone introduced. It's like highly, highly problematic. It's so weird. It's like, so weird. Like you go to the same grocery store all the time, and suddenly everybody there can't die. That's a good call. Or like, yeah, no, that's that's very weird to think. My next door neighbor made me immortal. <laughs> that is a uh, Maury Povitt show right here. It's every, now. Everybody uh, from Nick Nick Fury's. Wow. Uh, poker game <laughs> like i don't know why i can't die uh i mean i would do that with my um with my cats so that they could never die until i die so i would never have to do sure. that's 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 what i think about i was like what if you make your pets not die but no nobody else <laughs> sharon was created by stanley and jack kirby and dick ayers and first appeared in tales of suspense number 75 in march of 1966 as pointed out by one of our listeners um, recently, Ron, I believe, uh, he he helped me remember why uh, Sharon is now elderly. Because Sharon is now older than Steve physically in the comics. <laughs> How's that for a mind warp or whatever? Because Steve and uh, Arnim Zola, which transitions very well into the next person I'm going to talk about. Steve uh, was sent into an alternate like pocket dimension where time flowed differently. And so was Sharon. And in it, they end up raising uh, Arnim Zola's son, Ian. And he's now like, he's now an adult in the Marvel Universe and is Nomad, which is an identity that Steve has taken, as well as other uh, sidekicks and friends of his at the time, including a couple former Buckies, which the fact that there are former Buckies is insane. But (laughs) there's multiple Buckies. (laughs) I can get into that a little bit, which is a a nice tidbit I always like like to get into because it's totally insane. But, when it was all said and done, Steve didn't really age because he's Steve. Uh, so he's still a young, handsome, uh, super soldier, serum-filled dude. And she is now, like, a lot older than him. <laughs> like, and is still a spy, still running out and running around kicking ass and whatnot. But she's got, you know, crow's feet and uh, doesn't look like a super young lady anymore, which I think is kind of cool and interesting. I'm pretty sure I've read, like, four different books with that kind of plot. <laughs> I'm so I just accept well, it. I, I believe it. Uh, the weird thing about the Bucky's I'll mention right before I get into Arnim Zola is just that, and it's something that's bugged me since I was a little kid because his name is James Buchanan Barnes. Before he start, put on a mask and ran around, you know, with with Steve, he was the uh, the the camp mascot of the camp that Steve 
had had the serum yeah. in the comics. And uh, his nickname was Bucky. Put on the mask, ran around with Captain America. They were Captain America and Bucky. It's still his nickname. It's not a secret identity. And then they they're replaced with people posing as them. <laughs> so that makes sense that to the people posing as them, you know, they go by Captain America and Bucky. Fine, that makes sense. But then later on, <laughs> after he's thought out, a perennial sidekick, Rick Jones, a character who was uh, like an ally of the Avengers and was a, basically a sidekick to uh, the Incredible Hulk and uh, Captain America for long lengths of time and just friends, a friend to dozens, if not hundreds of different Marvel superheroes. He's like a, a basically a sidekick for life. Uh, but he wore the Bucky uniform for a while in the 60s when he was uh, working with Cap, but including the mask. And he's the only one who hasn't gone by Bucky while wearing the mask. <laughs> he went by Rick, which... I like that he didn't go by Bucky because that doesn't make any sense after the first guy impersonating him. But why did he wear a mask? <laughs> like, 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 it's so freaking weird. But again, why did Bucky ever wear the mask other than to look like Robin, which let's face it, that's the real reason. <laughs> but uh, and, yeah. Because it's not like who he is is a big secret that yeah. he's hiding. He's like, I'm Bucky. Here I am. No, and they got rid of that in the in the movie. He doesn't put on a mask for no reason <laughs> when they're fighting. Thank yeah, I'm all right with that change. That one makes sense. So uh, <laughs> the next character I'll mention is, uh, is Arnim Zola, is the Swiss geneticist slash roboticist slash whatever science <laughs> thing they want. Uh, guy, mm-hmm. and he was introduced. <laughs> science here. Yeah, uh, he, he was introduced uh, in Captain America number two hundred and eight by Jack Kirby in April of nineteen seventy seven. And in the comics, he is a cyborg body that is kind of awesome looking. I'll post a picture uh, from the account after this episode posts. But it's just a headless body with a television screen, a flat screen for the entirety of like his torso, and it's got this like distorted version of his face on it with a little camera on top where like the neck should be just like this tiny camera sticking out on the top of this headless thing. It's kind of awesome looking and it sort of resembles the machine in the basement in this movie. Yeah. Like, like the, I was going to say, yeah, like yeah, the, the main monitor and the little camera <laughs> on top of it. Like there's definitely a, a visual similarity and it makes sense that it is the way it is. Um, the last character I'm going to mention uh, is played by Robert Redford in the film is Alexander Pierce. Alexander Pierce is just a regular shield agent in the comics. <laughs> in fact, when like some <laughs> one of the th- stories that sort of I think did influence this a little bit is was the Deltite conspiracy, which is also going into spoilers for later seasons of Shield, is basically the basis of the whole thing with Ada and the framework was that there was a, the LMDs, the life model decoys had become so realistic that S.H.I.E.L.D. was using. They started developing their own brains and personalities and whatnot, and they they took over S.H.I.E.L.D. They'd kill members or freeze members, or alternatively, like, cryogenically freeze members like Bucky and uh, in the movies, and then uh, replaced them with robot duplicates with, like, incredibly sophisticated artificial life forms that people would believe were real people. During this, uh, when it, there was an arc where it was, like, Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D., and Nick Fury was being ousted by these robots, by the Deltite conspiracy, which is what it was referred to as. 
because they were a certain kind of LMD of life model decoy that was referred to as a deltite, uh, sci-fi comic book nonsense. But <laughs> Alexander was one of the only people that Nick trusted. He was basically his Coulson or Maria Hill at the time in the comics. And yeah, yeah, he was one of the only people that Nick trusted. And he first appeared in Nick Fury versus shield number three in August of 1988. And most recently was a member of Daisy Johnson's active shield team when uh, she was the director of shield uh, recently before it was uh, dis- dismantled and, uh, and shut down in the comics yeah. for now. They act like it's forever, but yeah, only a matter of time. <laughs> it's comics. They always go back to everything. <laughs> yeah. It's comics. They always go back to everything, including a lot of really awful stuff. Sometimes let's hope they uh, rectify that as time goes on. But yeah, those are all the main characters <laughs> yeah. worth mentioning. There are a few others like Jasper Sitwell or other kind of more important characters like uh, Nick and Maria that we've already covered extensively in the show or, or Peggy and the Howling Commandos and whatnot. And yeah, that's pretty much our big players for this one. Yeah. So kind of the whole purpose of getting together right before Valentine's Day <laughs> And having Shannon on the show is to talk mostly about Steve and Bucky and their relationship because it's so it's such a unique relationship, I think, in I don't know if I want to say in like comic book movies or like television or whatever. Um, And it's just it's a lovely love story. And (laughs) (laughs) so there's two lines that that they that Steve says, and it's the I'm with you till the end of the line, which comes back over and over again, like not just in this film. And then the other line that he says is when I had nothing, I had Bucky. And I feel like those two lines just really sum up the two of them beautifully. Um, But we want to talk about like why we love Steve. So and and Bucky and then just their friendship in general. So um, Shannon, if you want to go first. (laughs) Talk about why you why you love Steve. Steve is like my character. Like you know how in every kind of like media, whatever it is, you kind of have a character type that you always love. So Steve is that. Mm-hmm. Like when I first, I f- okay, this is weird, but in like 2011, I was on Tumblr then, and how it worked then, people used to post like gift sets, and you felt like you watched a movie even when you didn't. So. I felt like yeah. I saw I saw the first Captain America movie because I saw so many different scenes from it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to love that guy. And I was like, he's he's like Luke from Star Wars. We all know each other from Star Wars, but he's Luke as as <laughs> like a, a human in our world. They're basically the same character. Like a couple last year when Infinity War came out, there was some people like tweeting about like oh who has a cooler weapon like luke's lightsaber or cap's shield and i'm like they're the same person (laughs) they would they would be (laughs) on the same team so it doesn't they're not gonna fight anyway but yeah he's just that guy who doesn't like bullshit around really and just wants to help people and is actually like earnestly a good person but at the same time has convictions that if if people he likes won't hold up to the convention convictions that he has, it doesn't mean that he's just going to like back down. Like he won't do that. He's really stubborn and will stick to what he believes because he thinks it's the best way. And I tend to believe, uh, like go along with what he says. <laughs> I agree with him, but so he's, I like him because he's not just like, like sometimes people say this about Luke and I feel like people said this about cap that, although I don't know for sure, cause I didn't read anything about him until like last year, but like that he is, like um 
boring. Like people say that about Luke and I I feel like they probably said that about yeah. Cap, that he was like a cardboard cutout character. And then when I watched the movie, I'm like, no, he's not. Like he's this guy that grew up like having nothing and being treated like an like disabled basically all the time. The only person he had that would like saw him for the person he really is was Bucky. And like the beginning of the first movie, his best friend is leaving to go to war. And like, so he's alone. Like that's the thing I always think about after he leaves, like who does he talk to before he goes into the military? Like Bucky's the one that took care of him. And so he's this guy that came from that. And is so he has a lot of like anger and need to prove himself because of that. And that's what kind of creates like the Captain America person or how he takes that on and what he kind of makes out of it. But like, he's this complicated person, but I do understand that when they're not like a cool fighter and things like that, people tend to not see it like that. And I'm the opposite. I'm somebody that loves people because of who they are like as a person or I think about how they what how they're thinking. And that's how I like characters. So that's why I love him. Yeah, I kind of like I definitely feel the same way because I know like me and Billy go back and forth all the time. Like I love Captain America. He's like, I don't understand because he's a huge Tony Stark fan um, for reasons. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense if you know who if you know Billy. Um, But he likes the you know, a lot of people are really drawn to those like snarky antihero types that are like super damaged and have like you know witty lines of dialogue and like kind of trash talk all the time and that's not cap like he's he's just there to get stuff done and he cares about people like he really cares about saving people's lives like that's his main goal and he just has this like morality that i mean it's also like not of this century which is probably where you know that comes from but also it's it's it reminds me a lot of colson <laughs> to be honest and i think that's why i love those two characters so much like watching this film um over again after having watched all the seasons of shield like it just again and again, like Coulson obviously is, has a lot of other complexities, but like they both were kind of overlooked, these overlooked people and they were given importance because of like what they could do and how they could bring people together. And then like essentially gave their lives for the cause, like Coulson actually died and then Cap, you know, went to the ice to like save everybody and came back and they find out that their foundations are corrupted by Hydra and they're having to figure that out. And I just, I love how Cap is like trying, like there's this one scene um, when he first meets Sam and he like goes to his um, VA mm-hmm. meeting and um, Sam's asking him like, you know, what would, what do you like to do? Like, what would you do if you didn't do this? And Cap's like, I yeah. don't know. Like he doesn't know. He's so like, he, I don't know. There's just so much trauma in his life that he doesn't even know who he is outside of like his mission. And I feel like that's really fascinating. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. Jared, I know you could go on for hours about (laughs) about steve i think the thing that uh speaks to me most about steve and that i don't know that make makes him one of my favorite characters in all fiction because i don't i'm not I, i anyone who knows me at all knows i don't like favorites in general but like when it comes to comic book stuff and superheroes for most of my life, it's been Captain America and Batman, like coming from a Marvel and DC perspective, because even though they're very different, they both have the same basic kind of principle uh, governing them, which is like life is precious and yeah. I want yeah. to help people somehow. And, and that is like, 
there, there's a certain version of it, and I haven't been able to find it in the past several years. My uh, my floppies, my collection floppies? of Captain America, which I have <laughs> quite an extensive. Uh, there's the individual issues yeah. of comics instead of the trade paperbacks or collections, but they, they're not uh, here. They're in storage in, in Oregon. But uh, I've been trying to find find it online because I know that it, I can't remember if it was in uh, this version of Captain America. His title that was a, under the imprint Marvel Knights when they did this big relaunch that was supposed to be like kind of making him edgier and kind of pushing pushing it a little bit. He's like fighting terrorists and fighting all this stuff. And it, it, it still kept the character very uh, consistent with how he'd always been in the comics, but it, it the promotion more than anything was like really pushing it as being like edgy. And it was the era that it was, was like post nine yeah. 11. It was, uh, it was trying to push him to the forefront for the first time. It was before any of the movie stuff. And it wasn't a bad title, but it wasn't until maybe the third or fourth arc. Like the first few were very rough. Like they fired authors, like they kept hiring authors that were from outside of comics. And then, uh, they, they were like firing them in the middle of it. It was a bunch of, a bunch of bad tumultuous stuff going on at like, the corporate side of Marvel at the time. And it, it kind of like was in the middle of an upheaval. But during this, there was one retelling of his origin and in it, they just showed this uh, like flashback to him demanding to enlist. And they're like, you're 4F. You can't enlist. There's nothing you can do. You're too weak. Your body won't let you serve. Like, like we, we have nothing for you. And he's like, it's not throwing. It's like, it, it's like the only way I could describe it is like throwing a hissy fit, but it's like yeah. rational. Like, I don't know how to explain it because it's not childish at all and it's not selfish or, or, or it's not from that place. But he's basically – he was just like demanding. Like he was just like, I'm not leaving this recruitment office until you find some way to, to let me help. Like I want to help people. People are being killed. You know, he, he's, he's, he'd seen a, 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 a newsreel about what was happening. He's just like, like people are dying who did nothing. He's like, I, by thousands, like I have to do something. If I can do something, I have to. And I feel like that character, it just is his governing principle. If he can do something to help, yeah. he has to. And then once he's made into a super soldier, it's like that's his skill set. He's trained and has all of the natural abilities to be a superhero. And that's the only way he knows how to use what he has is to help people. And that's, so that's all he can do. And I, I think, I don't know, he's he's a rarity in comics because they won't let there be characters yeah. like him anymore. Like like I've talked about it before, I think, on, on this podcast. Maybe it's very off topic. But uh, the DC character, The Flash, until a few years ago, until relatively recently, Barry Allen was the exact same way. Barry Allen was struck by lightning and got superpowers randomly, not through an intentional experiment. But he just said, I'm going to help people because I got these powers. I'm a police scientist. I'm a CSI guy created in 1961 before there was the CSI show. <laughs> but uh, but he's like, he's like, I work for the cops. Like I'm a scientist. He's a scientist. He was a nerd. And uh, he was a science nerd, and and he loved comic books. Like he, the character read the original Flash comic books because at the time they were separate comic book oh universes. <laughs> so, so he'd read the the guy who wore the Mercury hat and wore blue jeans and a red shirt with an upside down Shazam symbol. Uh, like he, he was like like oh, I'll name myself after my favorite comic book character, the Flash. Like this is even in the story. It's it's super silly, but at this point they've retconned his origin to where now his dad was falsely accused of murdering his mother. So his mom died when he was a little kid and he found the body. And then his dad was hauled off and went and served, you know, the rest of his life in prison. And it's like, why are the, mom, why are the moms yeah. always dead? 
Yes. Why do we have to kill the mom? And why do you have to give him any tragedy? Like before that, he just had a good mom and dad who raised him and liked him and he liked them and, and they raised a nice, nice dude. You're like, why was that necessary? Like, like, can't there be one other than Cap hero who's still like that out there who just wants to help people because it's the right thing to do? And like, they don't need, I, I, I get the trauma is a motivating factor. It is. But everyone who's traumatized doesn't go out and, you know, become a search and rescue person or a firefighter or a cop or a soldier. And everyone who does those things isn't traumatized. You know, like, like there's variety yeah. and I'm sick of the vengeance or, or whatever, or just these dark revenge stories. Nobody has to die in a superhero yeah. story. Like get over it. Come up with something new. <laughs> people can be motivated outside of their yeah. trauma, <laughs> just as people. I will say though, that this isn't comics, but Finn from Star Wars, I think, is also that person, which is why I love him. No, so that's much as well. I, I think that that's a reason why we both love him so much. Like, yeah. I know uh, he literally says in the first movie, Poe says, "Why are you doing this?" And Finn literally says, "Because it's the right thing to do." <laughs> so. <laughs> There you go. That was easy. It's true. And he I mean, I mean he has a little bit of like I could see someone arguing against it because he does have the self-preservation thing, but even before that, he just doesn't want to hurt people. Even before his friend is hurt, he doesn't want to hurt anyone else. He won't shoot. No, he doesn't like, want to do it. And he just yeah. decides, I can't do this, so I'm going to leave. I might die in 10 seconds, but oh well. <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, that's a really good observation because I feel like he has a he's a lot like Steve in that moment where he just he, he he there's a line he won't cross and something he won't do and it's it's almost the opposite in a weird way but it takes him to the same place because like Steve was like I have to do this and and you know Finn's like I won't but at the same time they both end up heroes and they both end up just wanting to help people. Yeah. And I feel like the line that like capsulates Steve from like before, before he was waking up and then after he's woken up that Marvel has used in both is his, like, I could do this all day <laughs> that yeah. he did that as like when he was this frail kid, always being beaten up by basically jerks who could just do it because they wanted to. And it's the way of like, merging those two together that inside he's still that person like when he says that in civil war when he's fighting with tony it was just perfect because he's still that guy he's still that stubborn person that won't stop even if everyone is telling him to stop yeah i think that's very well said there's a a great line uh in the comics that i think definitely goes goes along with uh just what we've kind of said about him in general but there's this there's this quote that is often used to show I think uh, his general philosophy because people will will uh, oftentimes especially people who've only heard of him and not read any comics or seen any of the movies they think he's this like jingoistic like nationalistic oh, yeah. figure yeah. and it's like it couldn't be further from the truth you know like it's it's mm-hmm. a it's weird because it's like right now a lot of the military and cops around the U S and I think even in other countries I was reading are uh, are using the Punisher skull on like different groups are using it and they're being told not to like they're being asked not to by marvel they're being told not to by officials like but i do feel like i don't know like they sort of those those guys sort of have more in common with <laughs> yeah. the punisher than they do with the cap you know <laughs> like, like like the gung-ho i want to shoot my gun at people people like they the people in civil, civil war the people in winter soldier that he's fighting against are those people like they are those people who they're fighting against they would be those cops that tried to kill nick fury no. right and, and like but i feel like in real in in the real world a lot of those guys at least for a while 
it seems like we're using like Captain America shirts and logos maybe before the movies more so. I remember like like it being a thing where they would use that imagery and people would think it was like this super right wing militaristic thing and it's never even when he was actually fighting in yeah. the war in World War II, it was never like that. And he's always no. been a superhero. And Well, like, look at the Halloween Commandos. There's, like, more diversity in the Halloween Commandos than there are in most <laughs> movies now. <laughs> like, so he was never like that. True. Uh, but th- there's this one uh, line where he, he says, I don't remember what the context was exactly, but basically people are trying to push his buttons and use moral relativism and whatnot to get him to change uh, his position. And he says, it doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside a river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. Oh, I, I love that quote so much. Yeah, yeah he's he Same. is my favorite. And, I feel like – And I'm just glad that – I feel like Chris Evans would actually <laughs> say something like that right now about Trump. <laughs> probably right. Like I forget why, but a couple months ago he was tweeting like super angry stuff. And when he never he does that, I just call him Cap because he sounds exactly like what Cap would say. And somebody replying was like, I keep waiting for Chris Evans to like like put on the Captain America suit and figuring <laughs> some stuff out. Oh god, I wish. <laughs> Me too. I, yeah, I'd I'd be into um it. all right. Yeah. We gotta talk about Bucky. Shannon, why do you love Bucky so much. <laughs> Bucky, I know, is like your favorite MCU character oh, of God. all time. So yeah, it's kind of funny that Sebastian Stan plays him, and I liked him even before. And it was so weird. Like when I saw the, I don't, I don't really know anything about comics besides what <laughs> Jared tells me. Same. And um, so, like when I saw the Winter Soldier, I knew that Sebastian Stan played. Um, Cap's best friend and that he died and I was sad that he died but I had no idea who the Winter Soldier was or any of that stuff Um, and I always remember that one scene when they show um, him at Pierce's house when they can't get to Cap and they call him in to kill him and there's just it's the smallest little scene when he like has to kill his maid because he sees Bucky Um, and but like I remember when I saw it for the first time that's like the first time that you actually see like his face so you know that it's Bucky and when I saw it in the movie I was like holy shit I was like is that Sebastian Stan and the my friend next to me was like yeah and I'm like I thought he was dead and she's like no but so like throughout the whole rest of the movie it made it a lot more interesting like during their fight I was like wanting Cap so badly to take his help like his mask off so he would see who it was but also knowing when he did he would be really upset the entire time but knowing that that's where it was probably going to (laughs) end which it did (laughs) but uh he it's hard for me to say like why I love him so much because he is he's him and Cap are like my favorite characters in the MCU and if I had to pick one I would probably end up picking him probably just because he doesn't get as much attention as um Cap does because he's obviously one of the like founding people in the Avengers and has his own movies and and Bucky hasn't had that before like I've been trying to find Bucky's pop for like I think it's been like three years (laughs) that every time I go to like a place that sells pops and I've gone to like anime conventions where they have entire walls of pops and they never have him like any of his versions because he's just not like what people think about like usually 
um, like you guys know this, but this past um, Halloween, I dr- I got like a dress that was like the Bucky Winter Soldier uniform and went as him for Halloween. And when I said that I was Bucky, I had to explain <laughs> oh. who he was <laughs> to most people. Like people who were Marvel fans knew it, but other than that, they don't. They, he's just not one of those names. And Sebastian Stan isn't one of those names that people just know, even if you don't watch the movies quite yet. But so that's probably part of why I really like him because I always end up liking the kind of like the underdog or like the one that people don't recognize as much. Um, But really for him, I just love him because it sounds horrible to say because of (laughs) trauma, (laughs) but it really is that. I loved him as Bucky in the first movie anyway, before all of this stuff really ever happened. And his friendship with cap is just so like pure and beautiful (laughs) like that's the only thing i can say to describe it like the fact that like the part in the in the very first captain america movie when cap goes in and rescues him and i love that when we see steve um he's like the only person probably in the entire world that is like disappointed almost that steve (laughs) is now different Because he, he like asked him like, "Is this permanent?" And he's and I just love how he's like, "I thought." Where Steve says, "I thought you were dead," and he says, "You used to be smaller," <laughs> or something like that. Or he's like, "What is going on?" But like that part when they're when the whole factory is like blowing up and the and like the little thing they use to try to get away isn't working. Like Steve yells at him to leave, and he's like, "No, not without you." And then he yells at Steve to leave, and he's like, "No, I'm not Aww. leaving without you." <laughs> And so, like, right for away, and especially when they go back to, like, the group and they walk in and everybody sees that Steve saved him and saved everybody. He does, like, the whole um, let's hear it for Captain America. And he's obviously really, really proud of his best friend. Like, it's Sebastian Stan, I think, does a really good job of showing his emotions on his face without actually saying lines in order to, like, back those things up. So I loved their friendship in the first movie and how Bucky was almost kind of like that cool guy that you would imagine. Like if this was like a teen movie, he would be like a popular <laughs> guy in school that was dating a lot of, a lot of different girls and things like that. And, and he does play that guy in the covenant, right? Where he's a <laughs> oh male witch popular dude. <laughs> oh my God. In the covenant, he is a bad person. Um, that movie has no plot really, except that he's oh. all have powers and that he's the one, he's like the villain one who just wants more power. And, uh, but other than that, it's just a movie to watch people, like hot young men walk around without. Yeah. He and Tim Riggins. What's that guy's name? Yeah. Uh, I've heard <laughs> his name, but yeah, they're both great looking dudes. And, and Chase, yeah. Chase Croft. Trawford from Gossip Girl. He was like Nate on Gossip Girl. They're all in that movie from when Gossip Girl was originally on because that's when I originally watched the movie. But that movie is ridiculous. I always tell people to watch it if they just want to watch a movie with like a bunch of 20 year old hot men walking around because that's that's all it is. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, uh, the, I have to mention the best movie connection for Sebastian Stan in the world. Okay. <laughs> I like. I, I've always loved time travel. Oh my god! I know I love time travel movies. I know. I know. I know that you do. Okay, there is. Okay, there's a weird genre, subgenre of time travel movies that I am. 
I don't want to say I'm like one of the preeminent experts on, but I love it. Back to the Future. I love the Back to the Future films. I love Bill and Ted, and I love the, the first, not as much the second. It's just not that great. Hot Tub Time Machine movie. <laughs> All three of these are 1980s time travel romantic comedies. <laughs> yes, that's a genre. Uh, but uh, he plays a basically a cocky like dick. Like he plays the teen bad guy from a teen movie in that movie. It, but it, because it takes place in the 80s during the height of the Cold War, there's this whole subplot with them thinking this thing from the future is sent by Russian spies. Oh, my <laughs> and God. He, so he has all these lines where he's like, America, yeah! <laughs> and like it's so funny in retrospect that then like four years later, he plays Bucky. He's in Captain America. Like, it's so freaking funny like, like i have gifts saved of him being like well you know oh what God. that's too bad because i'm a patriot and like it is just it's so so funny that this guy again like, was just spazzing out and i i already really liked him as an actor as well because he was in the short-lived short-lived series i think he only had one season yeah uh, when, yes. Once that is, oh my god, that was the first thing he did after Gossip Girl that I watched, and that was when when I was watching it, I was like, he is good, like damn, he's so good in it. That's it's so- just a great. It's it is a great show. Yeah, <laughs> it's so horrible that it got canceled after one season because it was such. I feel like if that show existed now, it would be like a huge hit because it was like game of thrones but on nbc and and took place in like a weird alternate present day but it was all like political like like monarch shit like 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 warring families and and it was starring ian mcshane from deadwood and american gods and everything good who's always amazing and (laughs) like like, his character in it is gay and his dad who is the king person Ian mcshane like won't let basically like won't let him be so there's this they will let him be out. He has yeah, to be closeted. He, closeted he has to like, live in shame. And, and he's always his dad's always telling him that he's a piece of shit. And there's just so much there that. Like, I, oh, I think Joan Allen plays his mom in it. It's so good. I I can't recommend that series enough. Like I I get so upset when um people talk about how they're fans of him and they've never seen it. I'm like I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know where you can find it because it's from like 2000 and some like early mid 2000. Yeah, like 2000. Four or five or something. It's it's, it's a long time ago. Because he's based, he just acts really what really well during that during that whole show. A lot of times they have old shows on like network apps. It was on NBC, so yeah. people should check the their NBC apps or whatnot. Because Kings really 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 good show, underrated, super good. All the actors are good. That was our uh, Sebastian Stan other other stuff minute. <laughs> Jess, why do you like Bucky? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> One thing with Sebastian that I can. That I I think is just kind of like a cool little thing that I forgot about and then re-remembered recently is that he's actually an immigrant. And I don't think a lot of people know that. He's Romanian. Um, He grew up in Romania. So like sometimes when he's in, this is why it made me remember because I was watching an interview with him and they were like, did you read comic books when you were a kid? And he was like, no. And they're like, why? And he's like, communism. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the Berlin Wall hadn't quite fallen down yet. (laughs) He grew up in Romania. He lived there until he was like 11 or 12. Then they moved to um, Austria, I think. And then they didn't move to the U.S. until he was like 19. And when he moved to the U.S. was when he started doing acting and stuff. But that's just one of those things. Like he is Romanian. So I love in like Civil War that they have. Bucky living in Bucharest and yeah and his like and he speaks Romanian doesn't he it was it's smart (laughs) to have him like do it because he can speak like the Russian and and things from 
in like uh, Winter Soldier when he's talking in Russian, he can do that really well. Where another actor would be like, "Dear God, help me." <laughs> or just they're just saying the sounds. I'm sure, like ninety percent of them. Yeah. But he actually can speak that language and can speak Romanian and everything. So it's just, and plus it really like that's kind of cool joy that like this badass like Winter Soldier that I'm sure like a whole bunch of like white boys think is like the coolest dude ever is an immigrant and they probably would hate him if they knew that but yeah he is that's we talked a lot Jess about accents before on the show I have to compliment his accents because he's amazing like I would not have known that he's not American if you hadn't told me that every once in a while there's like little things he says in interviews like I watched uh, he went to like a right after Infinity War was out. He went to like a fan convention, and so people were asking, obviously asking about the next movie, even though he can't say anything. And he was trying to say that when you go to when you go do these movies, he's been playing Bucky for like ten years, so it's easy to like fall back into the character. And he was trying to say it's like riding a bike, but he said it's like walking a bike. And I was like, oh, like Sebastian. And that's like one of those little things that you hear sometimes that, but otherwise. It's like a colloquialism. Yeah. Like a little like, like colloquialism <laughs> that he just wouldn't know because he didn't even come here until he was pretty much already an adult. But like, other than that, if you don't hear those little things, then you would never otherwise know because he does a really good job of, of yeah, not I mean, showing it. No, that's a good point. Unless you happen to like bicycling, like you know, if <laughs> if you're not a kid, you probably it's not going to come up a whole lot, you know. <laughs> like, that's so true. That's a really interesting point. I like that. So I want we need to talk about Bucky and Steve together as friends, yeah. and like just everything that happens in Winter Soldier, and like all the ramifications of Hydra and Shield and all that bullshit. Um, Shannon, I know yes. you have a lot to say. Well, <laughs> one of my things that I wrote down this down as a note, so I wouldn't remember to say it, but like the thing that always makes me upset when I watch pretty much Winter Soldier forward with them in it is that they were basically these two kids who wanted to do like wanted to help people and just got used by these huge organizations. Like Cap was used just as not as badly as him, obviously, because he he wasn't horribly tortured for all of that time. But he still was like he didn't want to wake up. <laughs> they made him yeah. wake up. He wanted to die. Like when he was doing that and crashing, he wanted he pretty much wanted to die after like Bucky died he was like what do I have to do to kill everybody and then not have to deal with this anymore but like he he didn't want to stay alive like he knew what he was doing when he was doing that he knew he was going to die and he wasn't going to come back and the only reason like he didn't want to come back they brought him back because of what they wanted him to do for them they're like oh bring this guy back he can help us with whatever was going on at the time because I I haven't watched any of those movies so I don't know I feel like just to stop you for a second, I feel like yeah. Nick Fury is the one who wanted to bring him back for the Avengers Initiative, and I feel like Nick Fury has a pattern of bringing people back in weird circumstances when they don't necessarily want to. Yeah, but it's okay. just like <laughs> they brought Cap back, and they didn't care. Yeah. They wanted Captain America back. They didn't care about Steve because they just brought him back and everything of who he is, and they don't even really know, I would think, who he is because they know him from like the stories that have been told, but we obviously know that the stories that have been told about people aren't exactly true most of the time, but like they just brought him back to be like that person. They never thought about like who he was as a person and like how horrible that would be to come back. And like everyone, you know, is dead basically. 
Yeah. And all this time has gone by. All these things have changed. He doesn't know anything. Like Tony Stark is always in there saying stuff that he doesn't understand on purpose because just to annoy him. Because he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And because he doesn't understand. Like it would be horrible. Like everything about his life is gone. He missed everything. And it wasn't even his choice to be brought back to now. And he has no choice but to like be here. And it then for Bucky, for the obvious reason, because he was taken and turned into something horrible where they basically just dehumanized him where he like didn't even realize that he was a person one that who had like a family or people that cared about him but that's that's the part of their story that I always get so caught up on especially and why like the next movie might kill me because if one of them die it's just horribly sad to think that they were used by these horrible these huge organizations to do what they wanted them to do and spit back out and they didn't even get like an after time where they could be alive at the same time and not have to be fighting anybody because they both and just like be together and be friends and yeah yeah like they both don't want to do it they're so tired like the one line that kills me every time when I watch Civil War is the very beginning when they first see each other and Steve is trying to get him to you know stop acting like he doesn't know who he is and he says like you know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a fight. And Bucky's like, it always ends in a fight. And I'm just like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> but <laughs> it does for him. I guess if you take like them always being used by just other people, um, the thing that's so beautiful about them is that like Bucky was basically treated like he was not a person and he didn't know he was like depersonalization is something that happens and it was taken to like the extreme degree. He was basically, when he was awake, he probably was disassociating like 98% of the time and just doing what he had to do and then and then going back to sleep. The fact that after all of that torture and pain and um, all of these things for all of these years, like, had like every time he was awake for 70 years, he was being abused, that that all like changes because he sees Steve one time. <laughs> Like, that's the yeah. thing that always gets to me. It's not like he sees him and then he comes back again. Like, sometimes movies do. He sees him one time and Steve says his name and he doesn't even know it's his yeah. name. And that is enough, like, for him to all of a sudden all of these memories start coming back. And he actually starts, like, not wanting to do what Hydra wants him to do for the first time ever. And it's just, like, he only and like i also i think is alexander pierce a fucking idiot like why would they ever see each other i was thinking that too because i was thinking okay it's these two people who are you know from a completely different timeline in history like they don't know anyone else like for those two to see each other because they had a bond like back in the 40s like why would like it was like yeah are you an idiot (laughs) <laughs> Secretary Pierce like I, why would you let that relationship like even spark again even if like you thought you had brainwashed him and thought that you know that was all taken care of like of course like something like deep down in his mind would like break away from that because this is probably the only person in the world that he like could could do that to him could like break him free of his brainwashing yeah. And the thing too with like the, my favorite scene and also least favorite scene in Winter Soldier is when Bucky is like asking them who was that guy in the bridge. And yeah. He's like, I knew him. And he says, I knew him. And I was like, oh God. But like that scene is really good um, because you can see on his face how like 
Pierce starts with his um, with his gaslighting stuff of telling him like you shape you shaped this um, century and I and you're doing these amazing things and I just need you to do this one more thing and then you'll be awesome and things like that. But he like is remembering that there is somebody out there that knows actually knows him and cares about him. So he doesn't care anymore. So like when he says like, but I knew him, it's just like, that's a big moment. And it's like the first time in like 70 years, like ever that he's ever actually probably seen himself as a person and tried to stand up for them. And so I, I feel like Pierce just thought that because they were taking stuff over, like literally the next day, (laughs) Um, that you know there wasn't any more time that he could have Bucky fight Steve as like a last resort because nobody else was able to do it and just probably just thought like in like they're not gonna like Bucky isn't going to remember all of these things after seeing him only basically one time um but it it he did like even after they electrocuted him so badly after that one scene he still remembered him again the next time they saw each other but yeah it's just like their friendship is just like beautiful like um I'm always really conflicted by this because I know there's a lot of people that are like Cap and Bucky are in love with each other and I get conflicted with this because if that's what they wanted to do in the movies and why people think that I'm absolutely a-okay with that but and I'm for that like I if that happened in the last movie, I think I would actually faint because <laughs> it would be yeah. so great. But at the same time, like there's always a part of me that's like, I love them so much because they're like, their bond is just so pure. Like the couples or whatever you want to call it that I usually really get invested in is ones where they are, they're just love each other a lot. So like if it would make sense that if they would take the next step with somebody, it would be with that person. And so no matter like what happens with the two of them, like they are the most important people in their lives for each other. Like they're it. Like one of the things in the first Avenger movie that was like really refreshing to me was that like usually it's like something happening with the girl, like the girl being killed, of course, in like 50,000 movies. It's always like the girlfriend or the wife being killed. But instead, like Peggy is there and she's important. She's a huge part of Steve's um life and his relationships and everything but like it's Bucky dying or you know what we think is him dying that causes all these things to happen like it's Bucky being possibly captured and dead that makes him even go and become basically become Captain America in the first place it's Bucky dying that makes him lose his mind so that basically be so angry and not have somebody there to like talk him down that he just goes and does super a super risky mission where he ends up dying because he just has to do something because those people killed his best friend. And um, so it's just all these changes in Steve's life happen. Like in Winter Soldier, he basically like like the he had his mission with um, like at the end of the movie, blowing up the helicarriers and stuff. But he had his own own separate mission of I'm going to bring Bucky back. And like everybody was telling, like Sam was telling him he might kill you. And he's basically like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, this is my best friend and he's alive. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But like, 
Yeah, if there's a chance that I could have him yeah. back, like he's going to take yeah, it. Yeah, which is the last point I wrote on here was was Tony high during Civil War. <laughs> but that's the only <laughs> thing I can ever think of because I'm like, do you – the only other thing I can ever think of is that he just didn't pay attention to who Steve really was because like wh- in what universe would you come up to him and be like, I think your best friend did this thing when he was pop- – if he did the thing that they think he did in civil war, he was brainwashed when he did it. So like he didn't even have a chance, like a choice in what he was doing, but we're going to kill him anyway. Oh no. Like Tony is totally irrational. Like, and I think he even sort of admits it at that moment. But the, 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 the part of that exchange that always, I, I, I still think of my immediate response and like, from like the trailer where he's like, you know, he's my friend. And Tony says, you know, so were we. And I'm like, no, and, uh, no. <laughs> no, I, every time he says that, I always immediately think of Steve going, well, we were more like work yeah. friends, you know, like, like, <laughs> like we were really that's friend the part friends. That's where I'm like, was he like, like, what was going on with him where he didn't see that? Like, um, I remember talking to somebody once on Twitter about this and saying, they were saying like, yeah, but they were, we are talking about Civil War, the movie. And they were saying like, well, but Tony's sad in that movie because, because, um, you know, Steve was his friend. And I was like, Bucky wins over everyone. Like, that's yeah. it. Plus, like, I just feel like, were they? Were they friends? They weren't friends in the first Avengers movie. And in the <laughs> second one, they don't seem super close. You know, like they just <laughs> met each other in the first one. Like, they're literally just work acquaintances. Yeah. <laughs> and in the first one, I remember the, I never liked Tony, but, and I watched the first Avengers movie afterwards. And I think it's the first one when, Tony's being Tony and Cap walks in and he's like, can you ever just stop making jokes or something like that? And, uh, and right away he's like, says some more shit to, to Cap. And I'm just like, yeah, that's why I hate you. I always end up that. <laughs> that made me, you, you mentioning that ever stop making jokes just makes me think of the, the one thing that I know some people don't like about Marvel movies. Although the vast majority of any actual mention of that that criticism just seems to be super dc fanboys who want to like bash marvel movies who complain about the jokes but there was one joke in the in this that didn't like take me out of it at all but like a tiny part of my brain like dinged it was like oh that that would have annoyed one of these people who doesn't like all the jokes but when uh when nick fury is first escaping them when they're trying to kill him the very first time and he asked if anything oh, yeah. is working air to like the onboard oh, yeah. you know, SUV air computer conditioning. And it says, it says the air AC. conditioning is fully yeah. operational I love that part though yeah. no that like that one part I was like oh that's what they're talking about when they say serious moments are undercut you know like like okay like it doesn't bug me but I can at least admit like I can understand why someone might not yeah. love that like, but no for the most part I think their humor is so like ingrained and everything. It's all, you know, and, and he's not Tony Stark. So it's not constant. It's not constant jokes, but at the same time, like the Marvel movies do so well with it for sure. And this was pre infinity war. Like, I think that the Russos have gotten mo- more, uh, comfortable integrating their humor into them as they've done each each yeah. one of their movies. <laughs> but I guess like. uh, what I was saying before was basically I understand why people want them to be gay together and obviously that would be absolutely super. But at the same time I'm also like they don't need to be though in order to prove like how important they are to each other because either way like no matter what happens there isn't really a version that i can think of where they wouldn't their priority wouldn't be spending time with the other one 
So even if they're not in a romantic relationship together, they're still the most important people in each other's lives. And they're still like that role that the romantic relationship would hold is the role that they have with each other instead of with like a girl. (laughs) Um, That's the best way that I can. That's why I loved it. I love it. I'm always going to love it, but I love it so much just because that's what they do. Like that relationship with each other is their priority is the most important thing in their lives. And like everything else kind of goes around that. And Tony learns that in (laughs) civil war, but that's basically (laughs) what it is. And like the flashback in this movie, when Steve is remembering him and when he comes to, when he's coming to his house after his mom's funeral and it tells him like, the line what I'm trying to remember the exact line Bucky says but it he's saying like I can make it on my own and Bucky's like yeah but you don't have to like that's just their whole dynamic like Steve's like this super stubborn person who wants to prove to people that he can take care of himself because he was so weak for the majority of the beginning of his life and Bucky's like this guy that's like but I don't care about that. He's like, I just love you as my friend or as whatever they love each other as. And I don't care that you need, like, I'm not offering this help to you because I expect something back from it. I just want to help you. Oh, <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. But I also have this- Seriously, I always- Go ahead. Oh, go I ahead. also have this theory that the re- that Bucky was the first person killed in Infinity War because that was like their way of showing like we're not fucking around. <laughs> Like to oh, have God. the first to have like him say Steve's name and then him just disappear, and then Ugh. for Steve to just be like basically trying to like touch where he was. Like I feel like that was the him being the first death with them showing like we're we're going for it. Like this isn't like the side characters dying. Like one of the like one of the biggest relationships I guess in the MCU just got like broken apart. No, in a weird way, like. I know that they that they did, did all the things they're doing for many reasons for the story, I'm sure. But like, I feel like if it had just been people like him who are super important but aren't like guaranteed movies already, mm-hmm. like like yeah. the I'm, I'm because I've read the original Infinity War. Like, even though I know that there's gonna be vast differences, it's not a direct direct you know direct one to one adaptation. Like they're they're not gonna shock me like they are gonna shock people who've never read any of the source material but at the same time like they would have thrown me for a much bigger loop if they hadn't had kill- have killed off uh black panther and spider-man but knowing that they're having films it's like oh, that yeah, ruins yeah. some of the surprise for me and like honestly it it was more fun to me <laughs> to get people's worried responses <laughs> like blake texting me like oh my god is everyone gonna be okay <laughs> like being like so worried that all his favorites were dead dude okay when Jess and I actually got to see the movie together, which was amazing when we went to DC and after we got out of the movie, I remember I was just standing there and I was like, can you hug me please? <laughs> she hugged yeah. And then she a was lot. like, I need alcohol. <laughs> no, I think that, I think the only death that really hit me emotionally because of knowing that there is going to be an undo button eventually of some kind, whether it's time travel or soul gym shenanigans or whatever it is. I remember like it was Loki because oh, really, yeah. it felt like even with the show coming, like that could be another actor playing him because he is a shape changing dude. It could be earlier in his life. You know, it could be before the events of the first Thor movie. We don't know any of that stuff. <laughs> like there's, he still might not come back because he didn't 
disappear with the dust. I know. You know, it, I'm not like I'm, I'm not, not recovered. <laughs> no, that that one and just the moment where he it's a very Steve and Bucky moment, only their their connection is so much more under the surface. They don't wear it on their sleeve, but the way he sacrificed himself for Thor yeah. is that same kind of of relationship. That same kind of like this person I care about more than I care about myself. Like even though I, we get, even though we fight or whatever, even though they're brothers that fight, they they love each other that much, and they do. And I think that really, that I, I think you put it really well, Shannon. Like it doesn't matter to me really how you look at Steve and Bucky's relationship. In some ways, I like I I definitely get why people ship it uh, romantically as as heavily and enthusiastically as they do because we don't have any examples of that in like uh, in the movies yet. But like there aren't any gay superhero couples in the movies yet like marvel dc they're both super behind they've got the comics and the tv side of of uh, dc is great Mm -hmm. when it comes to that rep but like we're not getting any at all in the films and so i get why people gravitate towards that but outside of uh, of comic book adaptations and superhero movies i really think that there's there are more examples of that even though they're not as commonplace as it should be same-sex relationships still but I feel like there's still more examples of that than there are positive, healthy male friendships in our current pop culture, which is just sad. The thing that (laughs) always frustrates me, and this is like my ace stuff coming out, is that um, like when people think of like when people hear people talking about how important they are to each other, like the I've seen so many times on Twitter, people take the when I had nothing, I had Bucky line and being like, how could they how could he possibly say that if he doesn't see him in a like romantic way? So I get really frustrated how most of the time when people see like a bond like that the only way that it can be like important, I guess, is if it's romantic. And so that's the part when I get frustrated because I'm like, they have this amazing bond no matter what happens. It doesn't matter what they do and they don't need to be romantic in order for it to be like special. There's just a lot of talk with like shipping and stuff online where people will say like, like um, I was involved in like the Sherlock fandom and there are some people that wanted Sherlock and John to be together. And mm-hmm. uh, those people, every time I would talk to them, they would be like, they would start saying like, you know, the show is ruined because they didn't end up together. And why would they say all this stuff about how they mean to each other if it wasn't because they were in love with each other? And like, because just because you see like that kind of relationship as like the be all end all and the only way that you can have that kind of relationship together doesn't mean that everybody else does. Like don't, they don't need, you can say I love you to somebody and not be talking about like a like a romantic way. Like that happens, so I feel like they're they're almost like the they're like the couple in the middle of that. Like they can be like if they just like, kissed in like the next movie, it, I wouldn't even think it would be a big deal. But I wouldn't think it would be something that they would need to explain to anybody else because they already have like that amount of intimacy that you picture in that kind of a relationship. I, I when you started talking about that, Shan, I literally raised my hand and imagined I was holding a sign. <laughs> It was basically like, thank you as a member of the Supernatural fan. Oh, God. That, thank you for mentioning that one too. this. Because there's a subgroup. I, oh, my I God. I left that fandom literally <laughs> 10 years ago. And in two, I stopped watching the show in 2009. <laughs> and they were, they were like that already. And I was like, get out of here with, especially with the sibling stuff. Like siblings can have Oh, I know. But like, 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 I actually, 
I have an ongoing argument with my my niece about uh, <laughs> about Dean and Castiel on, oh, yeah, on yeah. Supernatural. Uh, about how it's it, you just can't take it like cause she's like trying to like basically prove her headcanon yeah. like or whatnot and every time she'll like mention something well this 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 had happened in the show and I would literally I would I'm me and I remember way more than I should about it and I <laughs> and I'm like well what about that part of what you just said she's like shut up <laughs> like, yeah. stop using facts to to be right but like I get where that comes from but no the people who have to ship the fucking brothers it's like come on guys like. It's literally family. Like, yeah. like, like, like oh, it's just so gross. And like, no, I get the desire to have the. It's so underrepresented, same same sex relationships. And to be fair, while the ninety nine point nine two infinity everything favors men in our culture, I do feel like we get more positive and realistic examples of lesbian relationships at this point because they're fetishized. Yeah. It's like a weird. <laughs> fucked up positive that came from a negative of male sexism <laughs> but like, like and, and like but even, no it's like just Steve and bucky being together in a relationship it like it's not it's like the last thing you think about when you think about them as characters and what they're doing in the movies so that kind of relationship is kind of the perfect way if they would do it for them to do it because so often like the story is just about them that person being gay and in this yeah. instance if it did happen it's like yeah they're gay but they just like did all this crazy they're like a hundred years old and saved the world and and are super really traumatized and need like 70 years of therapy so like it doesn't it doesn't matter that they are like the yeah the story doesn't revolve around their sexuality it would just be like a sidebar it doesn't change anything about them which is why if it did happen it would be that's the kind of relationship that i want to see for any kind of queer relationship is one like that where it's just part of who they are but it's not the whole story i would love to be wrong i feel like there's no way marvel would even consider something like that right now and it's probably I, i i don't know if it's because of fear of fan bases that say stuff like, oh, be, stay true to the source material. I only care about that when it's something that I can use to uphold my bigotry, but yeah. I really care about it. I, I don't think it would be that maybe as much as just like the general political climate or what, but like, I don't know. I would love that. I would absolutely, I wouldn't mind it. And it's in general, like we need uh, gay and bi and ace and trans characters to be on stuff other than Supergirl. Like, I like Supergirl, but, you know, like, why the hell is that leading the way? Well, also, <laughs> I feel like how how powerful would it be to have Captain America be in a queer relationship yeah. with, you know, like, that's, that would, I mean, I I've kind of agree with you, Jared. I really don't see Marvel doing it, especially, like... Oh, I would love it if they did for, I would for just love what it. you're saying. Yeah, I would love it so much for so many reasons, but I just, I don't have I faith know. in in them. I mean... They like just in the way that they killed off Gamora in Infinity War makes me think that they and they, they oh, you know and we've discussed the general treatment of women under that franchise yeah, <laughs> under yeah. Gamora's franchise yeah. has been not great but yeah so um, I think do you guys have any closing remarks about the beautiful relationship of Stephen Bucky or about the Winter Soldier in general. <laughs> I'm just glad that the movie exists. I watch it all the time. Even it's like one of the three things that I can watch in the last like year or so. So I love watching it. And even if it does make me sad all the time. (laughs) And I just love that it's just such a well done movie. And it's it's nice that it's been what like five years since it's come out. And it's still one of like the high most highly respected ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely. It's still one of the mo- most well-reviewed and well-liked ones. Oh, uh, I have one really, really weird comic thing <laughs> okay. uh, that when you talked about Steve being frozen, and I, I always think about how because that timeline keeps pushing back, and in the movies it's whatever he's thought out in 2011, but like even that, you know, that's a long time. He was gone for almost 70 years. It's so long, and you think about uh, about it in the terms of the comics, that's always going to keep getting longer and longer because the superheroes came around 10 years ago is what yeah. it always is at Marvel. Spider-Man isn't allowed to get past, you know, 27. Yeah. It can't, can't be more than 12 years since Peter was bitten. But as a result, you know, Steve, because he's tied to a real date of 1946, is just going to keep getting a longer and longer and longer thing. Cause you said, you know, this weak version of Steve was a, was a, uh, you know, at least that first part of his life, that's most of his life. Even if he's been thought out for eight years, it's like, yeah, that's true. He spent 18 of them or, or 24 yeah, of them. 24 of them like, like that. And he's only been like this for, I don't know, like five, maybe two, five. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess they thought him out in like what, 2011, yeah. 2012, well, like five or, up, f- five or seven years. That always confused that. me. So I looked up a timeline once just to see how old cap and bucky were and they were um they were like 24 when he he was 24 when he was made into cap and then they were 27 when bucky died and then when steve went in the ice so that's like three years plus however many years has been since he was woken up i don't know how long they have that that being in the actual movies because that's when it get confusing <laughs> but it's it's the majority of his life he was that other person this is still yeah, he was he was totally different. And like so like this is still pretty new to him. Whereas like Bucky's been thought out, like not all the time or whatever, but but he's actually lived in times between then and now, like not with any real life, you know, as a programmed, you know, sleeper agent. But it's just it's just interesting to think. But as a little kid, I always I didn't know about the retcons. I didn't know he wasn't frozen until nineteen sixty three or whatever. But to me, it was just part of Captain America's character was he was from World War II and was thought out in the present day. And I always got had him associated with – I don't remember – I don't know if either of you guys remember or are familiar with a character who had a in a show like in the 70s. But he started off in uh, pulp books and whatnot and he had serials and everything in between and, and comic strips. But uh, the character of Buck Rogers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Buck Rogers is a dude named Rogers <laughs> – <laughs> who fell asleep in a cave because of radioactive gas and woke up after being a World War One veteran. He fell asleep in a cave and then woke up in the 25th century. Oh my <laughs> like, God. It's kind of like <laughs> I always had this association with him and Captain America, but now I'm like, it can't, it can't possibly be based like, on him. That's really he weird. Wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't, they didn't know he'd be frozen for over 22 years. <laughs> like, like when they made him up, Buck Rogers was already around, but they, they didn't have that aspect of it. So it's just a weird coincidence that the character they named Rogers would also uh, be frozen uh, for many, many yeah, years. That's really weird. <laughs> just wish that the real life Fred Rogers was also preserved. Oh my God. You <laughs> hush now. <laughs> I all love right. all people named Rogers. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us. For um, I know you're you you will be a Shield fan someday, so we can yes. have you back <laughs> at a later episode, um, and that will be super fun because we can talk about all of our feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we can, and you'll understand why we want Mac to be Cap somehow. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. we that. need to be early oh, on. Love, we love Mac. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Um, where can the good people find you on the internet? <laughs> I'm on Twitter as Shannon Joy. I think that's my name. 
can't remember if it's Shannon Joy Shannon or Shannon Joy. Joy 26, but one of those. It's Shannon. Yeah. I think it's Shannon Joy 26. Yeah. You can't <laughs> find me. Just look in like Jess's feed and you'll see my name pop up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, where can people find you? If I'm online, I might be on Twitter or Instagram as I snow nothing. Like I know nothing but snow and there's no G. I feel like an old person because I remember when you changed your name to that and I was like, do you like Game of Thrones? <laughs> and he was like, a little bit. I was like, okay. No, at the time, my uh, my like profile picture was a picture of Kate yeah. Harrington like with the man bun and whatnot it said I was in uh Winterfell I think oh my god <laughs> yeah I, I had to be in hiding at that point that's true there, there was a reason there was a reason I just Kate shaved. Harrington doesn't have a beard huh was, at uh, any point does he have facial he has, hair no he does he has he has a he has a scruff beard okay. like you said Shannon okay. like, like it's like it's it's not a full beard I'm really glad we're talking about this okay <laughs> <laughs> we always talk about beards at some point although i'm just glad you brought it up this time <laughs> and it wasn't in direct reference to my love where can people find you jess um i am on twitter at space jess with four s's in the jess and you can find the pod um on twitter at project tahiti you can send us an email at project tahiti pod at gmail.com and uh uh, do an ad and add me. I'm I'm one. I'm your first reviewer. I think for the show. I'll review the show. Are you? <sighs> yes. I always forget to ask people to review. So yeah, please rate and review the podcast so people can find. I think I did ask Shannon to review us so we would have at least one. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this has been. I reviewed it before you guys even had the podcast. Yeah, I think out. you did. I just was like. <laughs> Best show ever. So anyway, thanks for listening, guys, to Project Heady. It's a magical place. We'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.